in the last of our three episodes discussing the managerial reign of Giovanni Trapattoni, we're going to go through the qualifiers for the 2014 World Cup in Brazil. Ireland were drawn in Group C against Germany, Sweden, Austria, Kazakhstan and the Faroe Islands. Obviously, we had assumed that Germany would go on to top the group. You know, there wasn't much to call between ourselves, Sweden and Austria, and which led, you know, Kazakhstan and the Faroe Islands uh, as the minnows. So, Mark, after the Euros, did you think that this was a good draw for us? Did you think that we could qualify from this group? Uh, tricky. A tricky draw, Joel, would probably be my initial impression, particularly with the, the Swedish and Austrians. Um, Germany... We've had kind of good results, bit, but conceivably and presumably we would have thought that Germany would, you know, top the group. So, but it was a three-way fight for the second place, particularly with Austria, who were very hit and miss. I know back in the Charlton era, you know, Austria did pose its problems, but their form did slide thereafter. So, and also Sweden, always very competitive, always big, always physical, and always having uh, some good quality attacking players for show and. Then we had the big, big, long-haul flight to Kazakhstan as well. And also an intriguing game with the Faroe Islands. So, yeah, it was a tricky draw, Joe, even thinking back to it now. It was kind of even straight after, you know, the Euros. It was just a little bit of deflation was in the air going into that tournament. Um, you know, after the expect expectancy of, you know, doing kind of so some way okay. But to finish in that manner, we were kind of up against it. Yeah, and... We opened away to Kazakhstan, and a lot of people were thinking, you know, it was similar to, you know, away to Armenia in the in the qualifiers for Euro 2012. And you know, given that they were one of the the weaker teams in the group, it was felt that we can go there, we can maybe score a couple of goals, maybe blow them out of the water, you know, and restore some of the confidence in the team. But that's not what happened. You know, we went one 0 down just before half time. And we're losing 1-0 until very, very late in the game when Kevin Doyle uh, first earned a penalty for Robbie Keane to convert and then scored himself uh, for the winner. But, you know, this was this was not a good performance. This did not restore faith in the team. And Phil, you know, it wasn't going to get better from here on, was it? No, and I think going into the draw, I think the... Um don't think hopes were high um, because the team, there was no evolution in the team. The team was the same as it was four games into when he took it over. He was still relying on Robbie Keane. We were still doing the same old thing. We still didn't have a plan B. There wasn't really a lot of players coming through. And I think he was lucky. He was very lucky that we won that Kazakhstan game because otherwise, I think following the Germany game, he would have been out of there sooner. Um, but I, I think all, not all hope, but I think most hope had gone at that stage because I think as well, watching the, the three games in the Euros, but watching all the other teams in the Euros who were kind of similar to us or around us and, and seeing the, the technical ability and how much they had come on and how we had just kind of not regressed but stayed the same. It was like we were playing football from 10 years ago that probably suited 10 years ago, but now that was gone. And I spoke earlier about when he took over Mourinho, Benitez, they were kind of, it was it was very defensive. It was about being organised. By the time 2012 rolled up, it was all about Spain, pass, 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 keep the ball, and attack, attack, attack. And we had none of that. Yeah. Now, the, we were perhaps lucky, or maybe Giappettoni was lucky, that the, the next game after that, you know, the win... Um, in Kazakhstan was uh, another friendly in Craven Cottage against Oman. 
um, for some reason. Um, uh, but it, it did see some experimentation in the side. You know, Robbie Brady came in um, and, and scored and, you know, really played fantastic well in the middle of midfield. You know, David Myler was given uh, a chance. Uh, Alex Pierce uh, came on at halftime and scored. We saw Darren Randolph in goals. I know it was I know it was a man, and I you know the oldest one of the oldest cliches in football. You can only beat the team in front of you, but it was a four-one win. We did play well. We had scored. Perhaps some of the criticisms had been addressed in that game, but then we faced Germany at home, and Mark, this I I don't know if this was worse than Spain, but it was bad. Yeah, no, and in fairness, in hindsight now, we should have kind of known that this Germany team was going to be a bit special. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a young up-and-coming team with um, Lowe's manager. They'd been billing steadily. And the likes of Royce, Ozil, Klose, Cruz, uh, Neuer, guys like that now were leading from the front. And, yeah, this was just a complete and utter annihilation. You know, all the... Like you said, you said, Phil, you know, the technical footballing ability of teams, you know, it really was emphasised in this game, particularly in the middle of the park. We're resolute in our two in the midfield. We were getting absolutely destroyed. It had re- uh, reams of the Russian game in the previous qualification, whereas here, Germany were so ultra-clinical. Once they got a chance, they stuck it away. And thankfully, Andy Kill had scored consolation, but I don't know how many people were still left in the ground at that stage. Um, but it was just an utter annihilation. And to be fair to uh, Trapattoni, I think that the vultures were probably circling overhead now. Um, you know, this was the result coming straight after the Kazakhstan performance. And we can talk about, you know, the long road trip to Kazakhstan. But you could see the heart of the side was now starting to deflate a bit. Um, you know, players, the teamwork, you know, that togetherness, that cohesion that they had in previous campaigns was now, you could see it ebbing away with each passing minute. So, um, no, Germany were just a class above and, you know, they proved it during that World Cup in finals. But this was kind of another reality check for Republic of Ireland and what they had to do to kind of get to the next level. Yeah. And in the space of six months, we had seen what two of the, the teams that were playing a different brand of football could do to a team like us who were playing, as you say, football that was... 10 years out of date at that stage. Um, just, you know, you mentioned that Andy Kill got the the, the late uh, consolation goal. You know, Kill, I think, was a favourite of Trapattoni. You know, he scored in the, his very first game um, against Serbia. I feel like he, he got called up to a lot of squads. He got asked to play in positions that, you know, might not have been where he was best suited. I remember him being deployed on the right wing a couple of times. But, one thing about him is that he does seem to be one of these players that genuinely enjoys playing football, which it's nice to see. You know, a lot of players will, um, will say, have, have treat football as, as a job instead of, uh, you know, something that's, you know, anyone in the, the stands would, would give an arm to do. And I think that's the way he, he, he plays the game. You know, I, I do like Andy Kill. That goal got a, I was at that game. That goal got a great cheer. It wasn't like... Um... You know, uh, oh, it was, you know, a kind of a half-arsed applause. That, it got a great cheer because I think it, as well, we kind of realised that this is where we were now. It wasn't like, oh, God, we're getting hammered here and we should be, you know, 
we should be kind of competing with Germany. It was like, geez, we got a goal against Germany. That's how far we'd fallen in the space of, you know, from the summer. Yeah, and it was just like, you kind of knew that the end was coming. You didn't know when it was going to happen, but you just knew it was coming. Um, so, the you know, this was perhaps, again, fortunately followed up by uh, a, a trip to the Faroe Islands, one of the minnows of the group. Um, and, you know, we came away with a 4-1 win. It was 1-0, you know, just on halftime when Mark Wilson scored and possibly the only time a fullback has ever gone beyond the, the halfway line uh, under Trapattoni. Um but realistically, you know, we were already we were you know we were we were in trouble, and we knew we were in trouble. Um, the final game that year was a friendly against Greece when Georgia Samaras like ran the show from centre forward. Now I'd seen Samaras at Man City, and you know I'd I'd seen him at Celtic, and he's a good you know he's a he's a he's a, a, a target man. He's a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a good player. And I think that that Greek team were kind of built around him. And it kind of seemed to me in that game that we didn't know what to do with him. Um, and it, it kind of felt, again, like a throwback to, to Ireland teams of the past where we face a team where there mightn't be much between uh, the two starting 11s. But if there's one player who's, who's a class above, who's someone like, say, Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, or Ronaldo, that's you know, that's the player that's going to cause us trouble and that's the reason we're going to lose that game. And, you know, it was Samurai's really, again, that uh, that, this, that ran the show and, for my money, was the, the reason why we lost. Um, so the 2013 began uh, with a, a draw against... Oh, sorry, with a, a, a win, a 2-0 win and a friendly against Poland before being followed up by consecutive draws uh, in March at home, or sorry, away against Sweden, which was a good result. You know, we went to to Stockholm not expecting to get anything out of it. Um, you know, I'd mentioned that, uh, you know, they had Zlatan, but uh, Paul Green, of all players, stuck to him for the entire game and neutralised him um, for, for what, from what I could see. Um, so having gotten a point away against a group, uh, against an opponent that we were expected to be fighting with for a second spot, you know the feeling was that you know the next game is home against Austria. If we get a win here, then things are very much back on track. Austria did score early in that game. You know, uh, Hamik Harnik sorry uh, scored after only eleven minutes, but we were leading two one after or just before half time. Two goals from from Jonathan Walters, and I think. One of the, I think this was actually the turning point in Giovanni Trapattoni's reign. Shane Long uh, had a shot that was saved on the line by the goalkeeper from close range, and if that had gone in, we were three-one up at home, um, and probably would have gone on to win. But unfortunately, you know, the keeper produced an absolutely unbelievable save—a total reflex save. You know, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, he's never, he's not going to get anywhere near it. But it was the hundredth time, and he did save it, and it meant that you know it was still two one until uh, Austria's world class player again, you know the player that the the player that we couldn't deal with, you know Bayern Munich's uh, David Alaba um, sc- uh, scored the equaliser into injury time, and 
you know, again, it just felt like we were watching the slow death of a team. It's uh, we were unable to hold on to a lead against a lower ranked side. Um, and I think a lot of people after that game just wanted it all to be over. So, Mark, I mean, did you think that I mean, we, we knew we were facing the end, but, you know, did you think it was coming soon? Yeah, I think that, that, yeah, even thinking back to then, that Alba, you know, equaliser, I, it was really a death nail in Trapattoni's coffin, really. Um, the way things unfolded, that last 10 minutes particularly, we got very ultra-defensive. We went to prototype. We went massively conservative. We were really camped within our own penalty area, really, not really getting out. And it was inevitability about that equaliser. And, you know, it was food and drink to the pundits and the mass media after that game, just given the way that the, the game had unravelled. Um, no, it was the, the question for me was when a decision was probably going to be made on Trapattoni, because in fairness to Trapattoni, I think back to Paris, you know, the FBI reaction, you know, and it was deplorable, really, when you think about it. Trapattoni was so measured, you know, very kind of dignified. I was hoping for a, a nice you know a quick ending to all this because for the guy his vast managerial experience he didn't deserve to literally hang on until the end of the qualification where god knows what would happen so i was hoping that the end would be quick yeah and i think i i hope that it would come some soon really i mean we has uh two friendlies and a qualifier against the fair islands uh before the the end of the 2000 and uh 2012-2013 season um, we faced England in one of their anniversary games against Wembley in Wembley rather, uh, Shane Long scored early uh, only for uh, Frank Lampard to equalise um, not too long afterwards uh, the build up to the game kind of focused on the, the friendly in 95 um, which was obviously marred by a riot from the England fans and you know, would there be a repeat Um and I don't think there was ever any any danger of that happening. Um, uh, I was at the game myself. I remember, you know, Chin Long scoring early. I remember the Ireland fans celebrating. Um, but I don't remember any, you know, sense of uh, that, that, that trouble was going to break out at, at any point. We faced Georgia in a friendly then um, and, you know, winning 4-0. But Georgia uh, had their goalkeeper sent off very early on. You know, only 20 minutes had passed and he was showing the red card and you know we've all seen games like this before you you know losing a player in the first half is always bad losing your goalkeeper is really bad so there wasn't a lot to be read into to that you know possibly the, that we had beaten Georgia uh, well you know a team that we had you know struggled to we had always beaten but that you know like I said we'd always kind of Scrapped a win out rather than actually blowing them away, and I think the you know the the four nil, you know it ended the season uh, on a high uh, for Ireland, um, um, before facing you know the Faroes at home again. You know it's three goals at home, but uh, Robbie Keane scored a hat trick, but it's the Faroe Islands, and you kind of expect to 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 beat them. So you know were we just really prolonging the agony? You know, we were uh, we were looking into the the second half of the the year. Um, we had a, a friendly against Spain in New York to come, and then Wales uh, friendly against Wales in August before the qualifiers resumed against Sweden and Austria. Sweden at home and Austria away. Um, you know, Phil, 
did uh, the result against England did uh, did the and did this like as I say it just kind of prolonged the 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 rain you know it was it was on live support at that stage. Yeah, I think um, looking at all the results, the the most enjoyable result in this campaign was probably the friendly result against England because we really hadn't anything to cheer about up until then, bar since the Estonia game. Um, and I think as well, you have to remember or try to remember back. Like it really wasn't enjoyable to watch Ireland at this stage. Like it really wasn't enjoyable. Like the Euros were obviously enjoyable, even though we got well bet in every game because it was our first tournament in so long. But then once we went back into qualifying, like we weren't great to watch at all. And especially going in against the bigger teams, um, we kind of knew we weren't going to get a lot from them. So I think the the Georgia game and the Faroe games, well, the results were good and we did 7-0 over two games. But I think it was just prolonging the fact that, you know, we need... I think most fans wanted them gone at that stage. I think the players wanted them gone as well. Like we haven't spoken that much, but he did not a lot of falling out. But he didn't get on with a lot of players the way he treated them. He treated them, you know, strangely um, and not great. And he was coming out at this stage with his opinions on you know Irish football in general, the league. If you don't have a league, what do you expect? Um, you, you know, so it was kind of any good feeling we had about him was slowly, slowly, slowly slipping away yeah and there was you know a, a lot of people at the time as well were saying oh he never goes to to league of ireland games we don't see him going to to watch games in england and his response was i can watch uh games at home uh i can watch i can see as many games as i want on dvd um you know why would i travel to england where i might only get to see one or two games uh over the course of a weekend um which i didn't disagree with him but by the same token i think you know Showing up at a couple of games over the course of a season, you know, would just would kill this argument dead. Um, so the 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 2013-14 season opened with a a nil nil draw against uh, against Wales. We saw Paddy Madden make his debut. You know, he'd um, he'd scored regularly in League One and uh, gotten promoted to the Championship. Uh, and it was felt that you know maybe he might offer us something different up front. And you know when he came on and played for the last uh, twenty minutes or so, I, yeah, I, I thought you know there is something different about him. You know he's a a different kind of player. He's um and you know he had earned his uh, he had earned his cap. Um, unfortunately, you know he wouldn't really make much of an impact. Um, but then that was the the August friendly. Um. And everyone knew that the the real games were in September. We were home to Sweden and away against Austria. And, you know, the the same problems, you know, led to the same results. You know, we scored early against Sweden. You know, Robbie Keane scored after only 22 minutes. But Sweden equalised before half-time. Almander scored just after the half-hour. And then Zlatan went on to do what Zlatan does and cut us open uh, to lay on a goal for uh, the, the uh, aging striker uh, Svensson, and you know we all knew it was over at this stage. But Mark, it, we like we were just going to see out the Austria game. You know, if either the the FAI would do the honourable thing or Trapattoni would do the honourable thing, um, and you know we were drawing with Austria until late in the game. David uh, Alaba scored again. 
you know, having, you know, a world-class player having an influence on a, you know, on an average team. Um, and it was no one, no one was really surprised when it was announced uh, after that result that Chapitoni was going to, to step aside um, from the, the national job. You know, yeah. it was, it was, it was a year too late. Yeah, hindsight's a great thing, really, isn't it, Joe? Um, you know, um, I suppose, you know, with Trapattoni, did he kind of think, foresee, you know, more improvement in his defensive system? Because he was very adamant about his, you know, structures that had served so well for him in his managerial career back in the 70s, 80s, up along, um, that he maybe he thought he could maybe continue to change the upturn fortunes. Again, I think he had his... 16, 17 player, outfield players already kind of chosen. He knew his first 11, I think, squad members, you know, were um, surplus to requirements pretty much. I think he was very Machiavellian in justifying the means. Um, but yeah, in fairness to him, you know, I think he knew the end was now after that Austria game. Um, he realised himself and I think maybe one or two of the senior team players may have kind of mentioned something to his interpreter as well that maybe the end needs to come sooner rather than later as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it was kind of a disappointing end, but look, it's a results business and, you know, the results, like you can say what you say about performances, but if the results uh, are in a downward slope, which they certainly were, you know, that Poland Euro 2012 being the catalyst, yeah, he really had no option but to kind of uh, step away. Yeah, Phil, like I said, the qualification was the, the the high point, and everything else after that was just a, a long, slow slide into his his uh, into eventually stepping down as manager. Um, but he probably he overachieved in the first two qualifiers, and then underachieved with the last. Um, he should have gone at least a year earlier, shouldn't he? Yeah, I was surprised he didn't go after the Euros, um, because. The team hadn't grown. No player really grew under him. Um, you know, the team didn't evolve. It was very rigid. And they made the same mistakes over and over again. Like, we've spoken about a lot of the big games here. And it was always that big player on the opposition team. He was always going to be the player to do damage to us. No matter was it Zlatan or Alaba. You kind of knew going into the game. You were like, God, I hope Alaba doesn't score. And then, like, he'd score. And then you go out the next game and you'd be like, you know, I hope Zlatan doesn't score. So the team, I think he he took the team as as high as he could, but then there was no wiggle room for a plan B. He didn't like creative players. If we went behind, we struggled. There was no kind of, there was no alternative. And when you're kind of watching that every game, it, it, it gets boring, but it gets really frustrating knowing what you're going to see before you go into a game if a certain situation happens. You know, there's no adaptability. So I think that was probably the reason he should have gone. I can't see how he thought after the Euros, well, I have a lot of players coming through here now. I'm going to mould them into my own and we're going to do really well and maybe try and qualify. Because certainly the fans didn't think that. Like, we kind of salmon playing at one stage mm-hmm. as a third-choice stri- third striker. So it wasn't like, here comes a new crop of, of players to to try and bring through. It was, we were what we were and... Uh, he he definitely, I think at the time I, I said it as well, he definitely should have gone after the Euros. But maybe the right candidate wasn't available. Uh, uh, maybe it was 
a money issue with the contract. He probably didn't want to go. He was a proud man, so that all plays into it. That probably, you know, you mentioned that the right man wasn't available. I think that was definitely a big part of it because we had two more qualifiers left to play in the group. We uh, we lost away to Germany 3-0 and then beat Kazakhstan at home in the final game with, uh, with Noel King in charge. Um, but then only a month later, Martin O'Neill was appointed with Roy Keane as his assistant. You know, their their first game was uh, a friendly against Latvia um, two months after uh, Trapatoni had stepped aside. So it's possible that the FEI, knowing that the man that they or their ideal candidate, as it was seen at the time, was available, decided to 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 pull the trigger. I think, you know, history will be kind to Giovanni Trapattoni's time in charge. Um, you know, going from the the reign of Steve Staunton where it couldn't have gotten worse. You know, if you had told me at the end of that, uh, at the end of his reign that, you know, within two years we would be uh, facing France in a playoff and competing with them, I would have said you were you were deluded and if you told me again that you know we were only four years away from qualification for a major tournament again I would have said you know why what makes you think that um and it was you know to come in and to to get those results in the first set of sorry first set of qualifiers from a a, a demotivated demotivated team a disorganized team and you know an, an uninterested fan base um I think he deserves uh, praise for that, but like I said, he did stay on for at least twelve months too long. Um, I don't know if a different manager would have gotten better results in uh, in that qualifying group for uh, the World Cup in two thousand fourteen. But yeah, the football, international football, uh, club football, definitely, and international football had moved on from his tactics, and you know. Better or worse, it might have been interesting to see what a different manager might do. I'd like to thank Mark and Phil for joining me on these past three episodes, and we hope you've enjoyed the discussion. While the restrictions on live support continue, we're not sure what we're going to talk about next, but if you have any ideas, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social channels. We'll talk to you soon.